Paul and Silas and the ministry team that came with them there, they actually spent a year and a half, according to Acts 18, 11, teaching the word of God among the people there. However, many were still feeding upon the milk of God's word. They had not yet developed the skills to digest the meatier portions of God's word. Perhaps we could liken this to a 40-year-old adult sitting in a child's Sunday school class. Some things just don't look right. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. The title today's message, Milk or Meat? A question. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Like Paul, I would like us to consider where we're at in our walk and our faith, whether we're being fed the milk or the meat of God's word, because milk or meat, it each has its place, as we will see in our text today. Sadly, the Corinthians had stayed too long in the milk of God's word. Therefore, they had actually retarded their growth and the effectiveness of their church. So today, I titled this Milk or Meat, a question there. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we're going to see the carnal mind in verses 1 through 4. Our second point, planting, watering, and increasing, verses 5 through 8. No other foundation, verses 9 through 17. And you belong to Christ verses 18 through 23. I began this at the beginning of the year. I like it. I'm going to try to remember to do it. Let's stand together as we read this first point and then open in prayer. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 through 4. I'll read. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal as babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there is envy, strife, division among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? 
Father, I pray that you would speak to us through your word this morning, Lord, that we would hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today, to this church. Lord, I know that Paul penned these words to a specific church nearly 2,000 years ago. But Lord, through the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, the words that he penned for that church then are still applicable to your church today. And I pray, Lord, that we would glean from your text today. And Lord, that you would teach us spiritual truths and that you would cause us to consider where we're at in our walk, our relationship with you. Lord, if we're feeding upon the milk of God's word and we're a babe in Christ, Lord, we're exactly where we should be. But Father, if we have been growing in maturity and perhaps time to feed upon the meat of your word, Lord, then bring us to that place of maturity. Help us to consider these things as we go through this study this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. Well, we deal with the carnal-minded in verses 1 through 4, and we find that they were babes in Christ. In verses 1 and 2, it tells us that he could not speak to them as spiritual people, but as carnal, but as babes in Christ. He said, I fed you with the milk and not with solid food, for and now you were not able to receive it. We left Paul last week in Corinth. I reminded you when it came to Corinth in weakness, he came in fear, he came in much trembling, and he proclaimed the message, Jesus Christ and him crucified. That was his message when he came to the people in Corinth, and many heeded the message of the gospel that was given to them. And as new believers, Paul fed them with the milk of God's word. They were not able to yet digest the meatier portions of God's word. And there's nothing wrong with being a babe in Christ. That is, if the babe in Christ is truly a new believer. He said to them, he could not speak to them as spiritual people. In, in one place in the Bible, in the New Testament, in Ephesians 6, 12, this refers to the spiritual host of wickedness. But otherwise, this Greek word always means pertaining to the spirit or spiritual. He could not speak to them things that were pertaining to the spirit because they still had carnality in them. Carnality is a Greek word that refers to the flesh. Speaking about being controlled by the flesh, governed by our human nature instead of being governed by the spirit of God. And Paul and Silas and the ministry team that came with them there, they actually spent a year and a half, according to Acts 18:11 teaching the word of God among the people there. However, many were still feeding upon the milk of God's word. They had not yet developed the skills to digest the meatier portions of God's word. Perhaps we could liken this to a 40-year-old adult sitting in a child's Sunday school class. Some things just don't look right. And this is what Paul is telling the believers there in Corinth. Jesus said to his disciples in John 16, verses 12 and 13, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. 
Even the disciples, the 12, Jesus spoke this to the 12 on the night that he was betrayed. Actually, he spoke this to the 11. By this point, Judas had went off to make arrangement for Jesus's betrayal. But he said, I still have many things that I need to tell you, but you're not able to bear them now. They had spent three years with Christ. And Jesus said, there's still some more things that I have to teach you. But the spirit, the spirit of truth, when he comes, he will speak and he will guide you into all truth. As in life, there is a proper place for milk and for meat. And may the Lord bring us to that place of maturity. We pick up again in verse two through four. And even now you still are not able for you are still carnal. For where there is envy, strife and divisions among you, are you not carnal behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul and another says, I'm of Apollos, are you not carnal? The apostle Paul reprimanded them for continuing in envy, in strife, and divisions, things that they had learned in the world, but not from Christ. This word for envy in the Greek, it's the word that we get zealous from, and it speaks about having zeal, and it's used in both a good sense and also in an evil sense. In the evil sense, it speaks about having envy, jealousy, or anger. They also had strife, and it's a word that always is used in the New Testament of disputes that endanger the church. And I have to tell you, that continues to this day, that disputes within the church often endanger the very church that people are disputing over these issues. Now, as I was looking through the Greek definitions on some of these words, I came across the word divisions, and in the Greek translation that I use, I couldn't find the word there. It's like, wait a minute, where is it? And I, I went back, and I looked, and I double-checked, and I, I have a, a Greek translation that has the Greek and the English beneath it. And so I read through it, and it's like, nope, divisions, it's not there. Where is it? Why is it here if it's not there? And the reason I'm just pointing this out is I had to go to the Texas Receptus to find this particular Greek word in the text. But this is the only time that I can remember in 20 years, and you know, in one of the divisions within the churches, what translation do you use? What Bible translation do you use? This is the only time in studying, and, and I don't look at every single word but I look at keywords. it's the only time that I had to go back to the Texas Receptus to find a word that was missing in our text. I know that they're there in uh, various places throughout the New Testament, but they're not in many places. This is one of those places. I think that's pretty significant. We argue within the church, we dispute, we contend about things that often are so minor, but this is one of them, found in the Texas Receptus, a Greek translation of the Bible. It's a word that means a standing apart or to divide asunder, we might say. It'd be an old King James way to say that. And although the believers of Corinth should have grown to maturity by this point, their carnal nature was still causing envy, strife, and divisions within their fellowship. 
1 Corinthians 1, verses 12 and 13, it says, Now I say this to you, each of you says, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas, I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? And he picks up from something that he had already spoken about in, for us, chapter 1. He comes back to that here in chapter 3, the division that they had connecting to, it would seem that they were connecting to those that they came to faith under. Maybe some came to faith under the teaching of Paul. Or some came to faith under Peter's teaching or the teaching of Apollos. Or maybe some without Paul or Peter or Apollos, the Lord spoke to them and they came to faith and they said, I'm of Christ. I didn't have no man lead me to Jesus Christ. Jesus did it. And although Christ is not divided, we know that often his church is divided. And these divisions can happen locally, nationally, even globally. And they happen locally within a fellowship. And when they happen, a division often leads to a church split. Nationally, it seems that divisions happen between fellowships as they divide under different beliefs about God, Jesus, his word, or the work of the church itself. And these divisions often lead to the various denominations that we have. By the way, I know that we are technically not a denomination, but a fellowship of like-minded people in the Calvary Chapel movement. I, Lily and I had dinner with a few of the Illinois Calvary Chapel pastors and their wives this past Thursday. And we learned that since the passing of our founder, Pastor Chuck Smith, in 2013, over the last few years, over 500 churches have been added to the Calvary Chapel movement. Our movement is not dying, it's actually growing. 500 churches have been added, and that's not just in the United States, but throughout the world. But globally, we find that these divisions, they often happen because of different cultures, different church denominations, and the continued division within the body of Christ it shows that many believers remain carnally minded. But he encourages them in our next point of planting, watering, and increasing. I'll read the point to get the context, verses 5 through 8. Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So neither he who plants is anything, nor is he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. It's as the Lord gives, he tells us in verses 5 through 8. He asks the question, who is Paul? Who is Apollos? We are simply ministers through whom the people had come to faith in Jesus Christ. Paul was a planter. Apollos was a waterer. But it was God who gave the increase. And so some, as I said a moment ago, some had come to faith under the preaching of Paul. 
Others came to faith under the teaching of Apollos. And yet they had divided over, over the preacher, over the teacher, instead of uniting under Christ. Each apostle had their own ministry to fulfill. Paul, he planted, while Apollos watered. Paul was an evangelist, and he loved to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified to anyone who would hear it. He would often proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ in cities that had never heard the gospel. And in fact, often when he went in and preached in the city, he caused such an uproar that he couldn't stay in that city too long. This is why he was a planter. He couldn't stick around to water because he would sometimes get thrown into prison. He'd get run out of town. He might get beaten. And yet he had this love. He said so in Romans 15, 20. And so I have made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. But Apollos, he loved to water. He was a waterer, we might say. He would help the new believers grow in their faith. What we learn about Apollos pretty much comes from Acts chapter 18, where it tells us in verses 24 through 26, Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he only knew the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. So he preached the baptism of John. Repent, make way the way of the Lord, or make yourself ready for the coming of the Lord. He had not yet learned that Jesus Christ that he had come, that he had died, that he had resurrected from the grave, ascended to the right hand of the Father. He only knew the baptism of John. Perhaps Apollos had made it to Jerusalem in that area of Judea where John the Baptist was preaching and he caught fire, that message that John was preaching, and he went forth from there, ultimately ending up in Ephesus where a couple Aquila and Priscilla, they heard him speaking. They knew that he had rightly spoke the word of God to the people there. But they also knew that he didn't have a complete understanding. They also knew that he was missing the message of Jesus Christ, that he had come, that he had died that he was buried, that he rose again, that he ascended to the right hand of the Father. And Aquila, Priscilla, they took him to the side. They explained these things to him. He came to faith in Jesus Christ. And Apollos went on to encourage the people. It tells us in Acts 18, 27 and 28. And when he desired to cross to Acacia, the brethren wrote, encouraging the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived... He greatly helped those who had believed through grace, for he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. Sometimes there are people that can know the word of God, but spiritually their faith had not yet been ignited. But once ignited, they can tie all these things together. That's what happened to Apollos. 
He knew God's word, but his faith in Jesus Christ, he hadn't even heard of Jesus Christ at this point. But once he heard, once he believed, he was able to connect the dots. And there in Corinth, he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from Scripture that Jesus is the Christ. He helped to bring the Corinthians to maturity. In 1 Corinthians 1, verses 30 and 31, But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that it is written, He who glories, let him glory in the Lord. And since Jesus Christ has become for us the wisdom, the righteousness, the sanctification, the redemption from God, believers should not glory in others as they were glorying in Paul or Peter or Apollos, but we are to glory in the Lord. Because the Bible tells us here in verse 8 that according to our own labor, the Lord rewards each one of us. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Whether a planter or a waterer, they served Jesus, desiring to bring faith to others. We are to serve Jesus in the same way. And some of us might be a planter. We might be like an Apostle Paul who proclaimed the message and a person receives Christ as their Savior. And once they receive Christ, we suggest to them that you need to find a good church, you need to get into the Word, and we move on to the next person. And then there are those of us, and I believe for me, I would come into this place of a waterer. It's not that people can't come to faith under my teaching, but to water, to help people grow in their faith. Jesus said in John 4, verses 35 through 38, Do you not say, there are still four months, and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for the harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you have not labored, others have labored, and you entered into their labors. There'll be at times where we may be the one who sows the seed of faith to others. To talk about a, to a person about Jesus Christ, where for that individual, for the very first time, things begin to click. They begin to understand. They may even come to faith in Jesus Christ. And there'll be other times where we will reap the spiritual harvest of the seeds planted by others. As I was thinking about that this week, it reminded me of the time when Greg Laurie came to the Chicagoland area. On the last night of the crusade, Lily and I had been working the area where they called people forward and thousands came forward. During that time, on the very last night, there were so many people that came forward that they kept bringing me people to counsel. And so there was a point where I had seven people all together at one time. And I said to the seven, okay, I'm going to talk to all of you at one time. 
And then I said, after I talk to all of you, I'll talk to each of you uh, individually. But all I was doing was, at that time, reaping the spiritual harvest of the work of Greg Laurie at that night. And I was just there participating, helping others. But it wasn't my teaching. I was only able to back up the word that had already went forth. Any work that we might do with the gift that the Lord has given us, however small it might be, will reap heavenly reward. All the Lord requires us to do is to do something with the gifts, the talents that he has given us. So whether we plant or we water, we need to know that it's God who gives the increase. Father, I pray that you'd be with us. And Lord, we pray that you would minister to us as we close out in this last song. We have much to be thankful for, Lord, in this congregation. And so, Lord, I pray that with thankful hearts, we would now wait upon you. And there are those, Lord, who desire prayer. Pastor Kevin will be down front. Others, Lord, maybe wanting to just come and kneel and pray at the prayer benches. May you be with this time, Lord. Move us by your spirit. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today. And may the Lord richly bless you as you worship him today.